This is Braun Strowman, the monster among men. And you're listening to the Bob Culture Podcast with your host, Rob! Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a very special edition of the BCP. Decided right now to talk to a jack-of-all-trades. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, of course, got to introduce our co-host, the Andy Smart. What's up, bro? How you doing over there? How we doing? Uh, we're doing good, man. But like I was saying, got to introduce the jack-of-all-trades himself. I mean, hashtag Super Zebra. You've seen him on the likes of Impact. DCW, MLW, Beyond, everywhere doing the ref thing. Uh, this guy is a writer, creator, uh, the man behind Camp Le- Leapfrog and Tales from the Mat. The list goes on and on. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Chris Levin. Chris, how are you, man? Thank you. I'm doing very well. How about yourselves? Doing, doing the best we can this year, man. Yeah, hanging in there. Yeah, <laughs> we're, not, we're not worthy over here, man. Uh, we appreciate a few minutes of time, man. Thanks so much. Um, man, where do, where do I begin, man? Let's start with Tales from the Mat, man. This is very interesting, you know, podcasters over here. Um, you know, I listened to a, a little bit of the first episode. This is an interesting uh, philosophy here where you came up with this. The intro, it almost sounded like it was like the Tales from the Crypt, like Crypt Keeper guy checking in a little bit. Tell us a that, little that, bit. Was that I him? Thought that that might have been him. I might have used a cameo for that, even though I might not be allowed to, but we'll keep that between us. That's our little secret, okay? <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, but um, no. Uh, so I've always been attracted to like the uh, the uh, historical, the anthropological, the the weirder corner of things. You know, I grew up uh, loving Ripley's Believe It or Not and visiting the local auditorium in Atlantic City uh, all the time as a kid, and that uh, really got implanted into my DNA as I became an adult. And, uh, you know, aside from writing with Ripley's Believe It or Not, I also started writing those same types of stories, but in the uh, world of professional wrestling. And I just got to thinking over the course of the lockdown, uh, what can I do to take the Tales from the Met articles that I put out, uh, just, you know, syndicated online, and just take it to the next level? And I, I felt that the obvious uh, thing that I hadn't considered previously for whatever reason was podcasts. Because, you know, I listen to podcasts all the time, whether it's when I'm getting ready for bed at night or when I'm on the road going to a show. And I just wanted to add to that. So uh, the idea to do a podcast had been in my head for a while. It was just about finding the right choice. Like, I know there's a lot of articles that I've written in the past, whether it's about the, the Luchadora serial killer or, or what have you, that'll make great episodes someday. But I wanted to do something original uh, for the first one that I hadn't delved into before. And with me, it's all about um, what piques my interest, what, what captures my curiosity. Like, I can't just, I can do an assignment, but it's just not as fun for me. Like, there needs to be that genuine curiosity on my end. And that's how 99% of anything I produce in artistically, it's based off, I have a question or I have an interest and it's not out there suitably, so I want to rather tell the story for the first time or tell a story in my own unique way that, you know, because I feel like a story hasn't been told to its fullest potential. And um, that came up when, I'm not sure if either of you have read Luthez's book, Hooker, uh, that he wrote in the 90s. I've read, I've read excerpts in the past. Um, I, I haven't read the whole thing through recently. Oh, yeah, it, and it's a fascinating read. And uh, there's this one uh, section in there where... Uh, Luthes discusses his trainer, George Tragos, who was a old-timey pro wrestler, an Olympian back in the 20s. And there's an urban legend that, that's been circulating in the wrestling industry for literally decades that uh, Tragos had a match with someone who was 
a legitimate wrestler, but not up to the chops of, you know, an Olympian like Tragos. And this kid uh, apparently had a bit of an ego, allegedly. And they got into it for real in the ring. And uh, the, the story is that Tragos hurt the kid and messed up his shoulder so badly that his whole arm needed to be amputated because it happened in the days before antibiotics were even invented. And it, it's like been passed around as like perfectly emblematic of the horror stories that you hear of, you know, like the Andersons breaking arms and legs uh, for uh, aspiring professional wrestlers and whatnot. And my curiosity got the better of me. And I was wondering, is that real or is it an old wives tale? Uh, so I set out to do what most people thought was impossible. And I wanted to authenticate the story. And, and thankfully, I was able to team up with Jimmy Wheeler from Pro Wrestling Historical Society and uh, scan the archives, reading newspapers from the teens, the 20s, 30s, and 40s, and we found an answer. We, we figured out what we believe really happened, and along the way, I realized that the whole story is a perfect lens to view gatekeeping through, like like just the act of bullying and pro wrestling, of, of putting people through hell and hazing them to get into the industry, and I wanted to explore that a bit further, too. So Tales from the Mat became a two-part thing, condensed into one two-hour thing. Uh, the first hour is exploring that whole story of George Tragos. And the second hour is have, uh, a series of conversations that I had with Gerald Briscoe, Dr. Tom Pritchard, and Lufisto to see what their experiences were with bullying and gatekeeping on both sides of it. Uh, because, you know, they all three of them came up at different times. Uh, Jerry in the 60s and 70s. Uh, Dr. Tom in the 70s and 80s, Lufisto in the 90s and the early 2000s. So they gave a really, um, when you combined all of those and, and heard it, it was a really holistic approach to what gatekeeping is, what it can be, what it should be, and all of that in pro wrestling. It gave me a lot to think about for sure. That's, that's awesome, man. You beat me to the name drops on that one, but that, that, that's like really, really great, man, uh, to hear that. And it's almost like, there's nothing quite like that out there, I think, in the wrestling world right now, especially in the podcast realm. Like, it's almost like an interesting spin on, like, a dark side of the ring, but it, it's throwing it way back. I have to ask you, uh, you're probably, like, around our age, man. Like, how did you get so interested in the stuff, like, that blast from the past kind of stuff? Uh, it's, you know, I've always been a historically-minded person. I have a history degree for my associate, and... Um, when I, you know, when I was a kid, uh, I was the one who kind of built their personality around the, their fandom for professional wrestling. I just, I idolized it. I watched all the movies. I read all the books, read everything I could online. And that's kind of just always stuck with me. I've always been just big into that. I, I appreciate the fact that what we're doing now wouldn't be possible if not for the people who did it before us, the innovators and the pioneers of professional wrestling. And how they took nothing and then they kind of threw it together and made something. I, I find that very interesting. Absolutely. What do you got, bro? You know, that, uh, that, like I said, that twenties, thirties, forties period, that noir period and wrestling all the way up until maybe 10, 20 years ago, always was that like that underground kind of thing. And, you know, it, it, it lends itself great stories. I mean, they did it with Requiem for a Heavyweight, Paradise Alley, but truth is always stranger than fiction. Uh, how hard was it to track down the, and separate like True. The, 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 the truth from the fiction, the wheat from the chaff? 
I appreciate you name dropping Requiem for a Heavyweight. I'm not sure if you saw the original version that actually came out. There's two versions. There's the movie and then there's the play, the original one. The play was the first, I think it was the first uh, 90 minute live action thing to be shown on TV. Like it was live, live. It was actually written by Rod Serling from Twilight Zone. It was incredible. But, um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And they actually made a movie about the making of the original Requiem for a Heavyweight. They came out a few years later because one of the, uh, two of the main characters of that were father and son uh, comedy acts that um, transitioned over to dramatic roles. But I digress. The whole thing's on uh, YouTube if you want to watch it. Both are great. But, um, uh, and uh, how did I, uh, I'm sorry, originally you had asked, uh, how did I uh, get onto that track, did you say? Yeah, how, um, I just separate how, the, the yeah, how, what were the oh, difficulties of doing the research? And, you know, there you must know, be some reports from everybody back then. Um, so thankfully I was working, Jimmy Wheeler was the one who, who did all of the archive scanning. So he runs Professional Wrestling Historical Society, and he's a master when it comes to this. Uh, he, his, all, everything that he does is predominantly like 1800s, early 1900s stuff. And I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a historian that covers the entire span of professional wrestling up to the modern era. But um, that's really where his bread and butter is at, like the old, old timey before there was film. Uh, most of his favorite wrestlers, he's never even seen wrestle, you know. And um, so I was very lucky to have him uh, by my side. He did the majority of the research and then when he pulled it out. He kind of put together his timeline of what he thinks, what he thought happened. I reviewed it and kind of put my thoughts on it. And then we kind of got together and over many a night uh, during the early months of the pandemic lockdown, especially uh, we had our heads together trying to figure out exactly what's going on. And um, I also took my instinct of just, you know, what I know of professional wrestling because something, some elements of the business are timeless, uh, whether it's today or it was 80 years ago. Uh, And of course I spoke with uh, Gerald Briscoe and Dr. Tom to get their thoughts on it as well. And eventually we were able to, Based off of uh, different newspaper reports, we were able to kind of figure out what was Ballyhoo, what was promotional material, and what was the exact truth of it. Um, And, you know, I'm personally very satisfied to the conclusion we came up with. Um, I have yet to hear anyone disagree with it, you know. I think uh, the context clues we were able to find put the story to rest. But it's an interesting story nonetheless. Reading between the breadcrumbs. Gotcha. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely, man. And you obviously mentioned, you know, we're all going through this crazy 2020 world, this pandemic, you know, us as creatives, man, it's given us, you know, it's all about silver linings, you know, it's all about giving us this platform mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, inter- interview the likes of yourself and a lot of these indie wrestlers, you know, we're all about, um, you know, the indie scene here, as are you. Uh, so I obviously have to talk about something that I think is a brilliant concept. Uh, I've checked out some clips. I'm excited for the new um, episode, I think tomorrow dropping on IWTV. Yep. Of course, we're talking about Camp Leapfrog, which from what I've seen, first of all, involves a lot of our friends, is a happy like mix between obviously independent wrestling and I would say like uh, a salute your shorts, or you were saying like a camp WWE, except only done well. Only done well, <laughs> yes. So, if, you t- if you take away, if you take a billion dollars away from something, it gets done better. Oh, no, there, no, stop. But what, where, how did you come up with this, man? And you know what? Um, I think you hit you hit the nail on the head when you said that there were silver linings in the lockdown and. That was when many of us put our creativity to the test to see if we could adapt. And, and some places are doing better than others, clearly. And, you know, and there's no fault in doing nothing at all. But um, so for me, it was, it was like kind of like a perfect storm. 
So one of the projects that I've been working on is more of a long-term project is I'm writing an encyclopedia on pro wrestling film, which is why I was able to have such a long conversation with you prior about Requiem for a Heavyweight. And uh, when I say that, I, I'm talking all film from late 1800s up until 2020. Uh, I've been watching everything from, you know, and it's cool to, to you, you can pick out the trends in film. Like you see, like there's a lot of pro wrestling films made in the 30s and then uh, they pop up again in late 40s, early 50s. Uh, they come back out in popularity in the 60s and then the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, and we're starting to hit another boom now over the last decade, I'd say, uh, with pro wrestling going so mainstream. But um, so I was watching a lot of different ways that you could mix filmmaking with professional wrestling in advance. That kind of um, that was like um, like pre gaming, I guess you could call it for uh, Leapfrog. And then nice. um, in May, uh, High Tension Wrestling was supposed to run their first event in Pennsylvania, and I was booked on it. And with the lockdown, that unfortunately never happened. So not long after that, they they knew that I, I you know, I had done a lot of business with them just like on the indies and whatnot. And they were aware of, you know, my history producing events and stuff with IWTV. And they asked if I was interested in doing a 4th of July uh, live party. Family Prog was supposed to be. And then um, June hit, and with that came the speaking out movement. And by time when we were scheduled to shoot, which was late June, um, nobody was able to have a party. You know, people needed a break from wrestling, understandably so. So we decided to um, push taping off for like a month and a half or so. And during that time, we we kind of started to realize we could do more than just have a pro wrestling party live. We could do something really special. And it's funny, I was watching a, uh, I'm not sure if you've ever heard, it was a cartoon from the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, Nickelodeon, called As, As Told by Ginger. Um, I, was doing, I was doing a watch through of that with my girlfriend, and by the way, it's an awesome cartoon. Um, and there was an episode uh, at the end of the first season called Summer of Caprice, and it was like one of those, it was a nostalgic episode about uh, about the kids camp, and like, it's, we had all those elements, and then with June, also Chikar, uh went out of business. And uh, while I don't really want to get into the to into all the nitty gritty of that, I will say that there was a lot of people uh, who did no wrong, who suddenly found themselves without a home after that happened. Uh, they had never worked anywhere else before, many of them, and they just didn't know where to go next. Like they lost everything they had professionally, and. Regardless of anything else that did happen uh, with, you know, with other people, that's not fair to them, to those Jakarta kids, to the veterans who were not involved in the crummy things, the people who were trying to facilitate a great atmosphere. Because I can personally say Jakarta was my favorite locker room to be in personally. I loved being in it. I thought it was a very positive and healthy atmosphere. I thought that the teachers genuinely wanted to teach and the students genuinely wanted to learn. Um, and I, I all of these things just turned into Camp Leapfrog. We realized we could do that. This uh, property that uh, High Tension Wrestling was going to want to run the show on it kind of looked like a campground. And all of these uh, people who, you know, just Chikara isn't a place. It was people. Um, we all needed to come together and be together and mourn and grieve. We had uh, Zoom meetings. So. Uh, myself and Sam Laterna, who, uh, she was, uh, ho she was the, uh, one of the interviewers for Chikara at the very end. That's how her and I first met. And she was, uh, she runs WrestleT as well. Um, 
I, I just had a feeling that she would be a good uh, creative collaborator. So I hit her up. And another big thing was, uh, you know, out coming out of June was uh, women need more representation in wrestling. It can't just be dudes calling the shots because that's what it's been like for the last 140 years. And we keep seeing the same problems come up again and again. And, you know, just having women in charge isn't a going to fix everything, but just having that representation is a start. So I, I tried, tried reaching out to Sam and kind of told her the general idea of what I wanted to do. And not only was she all about it, uh, her and I were great together. We were on the same brainwave with everything. And uh, creatively speaking, we both make up for the other's uh, shortcomings. I'm more of a big picture person. I like to focus on the over, uh, overarching plot of things, whereas Sam is more of a details person. So when we put all of our thoughts together, we came up with a really awesome card or script or whatever you want to call it for the first Leapfrog. And um, we, you know, we just we put it together and then uh, we shot it. And it, the first Leapfrog was by no means perfect. It was a very fun event. Uh, and it was a very cathartic event, I think, for a lot of people watching and partaking in it. But um, there was a lot of great that came from that. It was a solid show. It was an enjoyable thing. It was different. Um, it was like and filming. It was kind of like an all day party uh, that we just happened to film a few matches and a few cinematic skits throughout the day. You know, so and I think that energy uh, translated from what we did to through the screen a bit. And um, yeah, it just it it worked and. The reaction from that internally and from the public was so great that we knew we had to do a follow-up. And we weren't going to do a follow-up unless we could do it right. So we made a Halloween special, which is premiering tomorrow, uh, Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on IWTV. Love it, man. And you mentioned our good friend uh, Sam, who's done a great job with WrestleTea. I did watch the interview with uh, her and you earlier today. Um, she's always fantastic, but I like how you were saying, like, you're more big picture. Um, and, you know, she kind of, you know, picked up the pencil, as we say, um, and added a lot to the table. So that's that's really, really cool to hear. Um, you know, we got to mention some of our friends. You know, we're, we're big with the Goddesses of War brand, another one of the uh, all-female uh, brands represented here in the New Jersey Northeast area. Um, I think, if correct me if I'm wrong, I think in that interview you said that you had started uh, an all-female promotion. Uh, what was it, in, in New York or something like that? Yeah, um, in 2014, I ran Valkyrie Women's Professional Wrestling, and we right. ran shows for about about two years. Uh, we were actually the first ever all-women's wrestling promotion to run in New York City uh, since women's wrestling was made legal back in the 70s. Before that, you couldn't even be a woman and wrestle there. They, had, uh, they I think they illegal, made it illegal in the 20s or something like that. Really? But, uh, yeah, the New York State Athletic Commission has always been and always will be the worst thing ever. It has no redeeming value whatsoever. It's a waste of time. Um, but yeah, um, and yeah, and you know, we, I, we do have a few talent, um, that we share with, uh, goddesses. I'm not sure exactly who's on the roster. I think Kaya McKenna worked there. That's, was, that's was, what I was waiting for. That's our, yeah. that's our pal right there. Friend oh yeah. Kaya, she, she is absolutely awesome. She is one of the, uh, most savvy and intelligent people I've ever met in professional wrestling my entire life, bar none. Uh, any, when I, before she debuted, when she was, she, she took it upon herself just to travel the country, travel, uh, North America, really just to help out, to, uh, learn, to network. And she did an incredible job. Um, when I was at impact and working backstage, aside from refing with production stuff, um, she became my de facto right-hand person. 
We would travel to the shows together. Uh, we were attached to the hip all, you know, during the weekends that we would do tapings and whatnot. And, you know, that's just translated to a great friendship that she's still a huge part. I mean, we just, her and I traveled together uh, with Sam Laterna and with uh, referee Adam Galt to the collective just a few weeks ago. And um, on that road trip, we, we wrote out the whole script for um, for uh, Camp Lee Prague's uh, next wow. show. But that, that's uh, that's still in the pipeline. First, we got to get past tomorrow. That's that's awesome. And, yeah, and obviously, you mentioned Kaya. We got the sticker right here, the Good Witch, uh, the Good Karma. So shout yeah. out always uh, to Kaya, who, again, like you said, is so early in her career, is already putting in the work, uh, traveling all over the place, you know, making her face known, uh, knows the business very, very well. Uh, so we mentioned Kaya. Talk about some of these other indies. Again, we're all about the indies here. Um, talk about this other talent that you decided to bring in for uh, Camp Leapfrog specifically. You know what? There are so many diamonds in the rough that I've long felt were ignored by the bigger companies for reasons that I couldn't speak to. And I'm trying to showcase as many of them as I can. Now, um, you know, of course, our core roster is mostly predicated upon the former Chikara kids, leapfrog tadpoles, um, and giving them a space to shine. But we also have a lot of guests uh, from, you know, that surrounding New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and New York area. Uh, some of them that I knew from the Indies, some of them just came on recommendation. Uh, like uh, Brad Rush is a perfect example. I had worked with him maybe a few times at Pizza Party Wrestling, but we didn't really know each other well, just maybe high and by. Uh, and then uh, I knew going into Camp Leapfrog that uh, I, so I've always on just on like as a referee, just person on the Indies, I've always had a great relationship with Pizza Party Wrestling. Um, they're super organized and, and respectful, and you would not believe they are honestly one of the better run companies I've ever worked for. Period, uh, and I'm talking including TV companies here. Um, despite the fact that they're Indies, they run like a like a like a watch. I mean, they are great. And they did a camp-themed event uh, a couple years back called uh, Camp Moonsault. And when I was doing LeapFrog, I thought, you know what, I have such a good relationship with them, and they do all these quirky things. Let me reach out to them and just get their blessing for it and see if they want to be involved. And so I reached out to Dan Scotty, who's the promoter, and we were just talking, and, and Joe Stamper as well, who's involved with them. And we were just kind of shooting ideas back and forth, and they were all about it. Uh, uh, Joe hasn't been able to make the first couple uh, leapfrogs. I'm sure he'll be at a future one. Dan has been able to come out and helped with um, assistant directing with a few things. But while we were swapping ideas, he had mentioned Brad Rush, who was a member of their roster, a good friend of his. And he sent me uh, video footage of Brad just cutting a promo so I could get an idea. And I, the, the dude was amazing. He this So remember, this is like in July. Um he reminded me so much of Joe Exotic and not intentionally, like he wasn't trying to be a Joe Exotic character. He's just a dude from Tennessee who he's kind of like that lovable rascal that even though he cuts some corners and doesn't do everything right, like you can't help but love him. And I was like, that's it. That's the plot to Camp Leapfrog. He's the campground owner and someone's trying to shut him down. And we just ran with it. And then I wasn't on, I sight unseen. I, I, booked brad for it and kind of built the whole thing around not around him but he's like a big part of the story and then when he got in there for the main event at camp leapfrog the first one i didn't have a lot of expectations because i'd never seen him wrestle really but he killed it i was shocked and i was like wow like we've got someone here you know and there's so many there's ne there's never been a bad match at camp leapfrog we're very lucky to say that never has there been a single one 
We've even though these are all studio tapings, we've never had to do a retake or anything like that. Everything is a uh, first take, and everyone's killing it. There's Killian McMurphy, another one who is uh, from Delaware, who is one of the best wrestlers, one of the best speakers you will ever meet. Uh, who's who had a great match with Violence, who is another guy who's who's killing it in South Jersey. I've known Violence uh, since I first started in the business. Like he started at the same school I did in 2007, just like a couple months before me. Um, the list goes all to Trajan Horn, um, Ron Voyage. They were a last minute tag team because someone didn't make it the first time and all, and they had perfect chemistry, uh, in ring and just their personalities. Then they clicked, uh, Matt Mikowski, who, uh, former MMA star. Now he's doing blood sport and stuff. He's teaming with, uh, Travis Huckabee as salt the earth. And they are just two phenomenal professional wrestlers. And, I, yeah, and it's exciting just to have all of this incredible talent. And not only do we have great talent on camera, we have plenty off camera too. Like, um, so tomorrow, uh, before, so uh, Camp Lee Prague, things that go bump in the ring premieres at 8 p.m. Eastern time on IWTV. But prior to that, at 7.30, we're doing our version of a free-for-all, and it's going to be called Open Swim. And it's going to air uh, stream live on Independent Wrestling's uh, Facebook page, which is uh, run by IWTV. They have like 117,000 followers. And uh, I had the, I, I forget who had the idea, but I worked with uh, Sam Laterna through it. Sam was the one who put the whole thing together. She interviewed Cheeseburger, uh, got behind the scenes footage. We have an exclusive match that we taped just for it that's going to air from 7.30 to 8 p.m. tomorrow. And or, or Sam Fritz. Sam is the head editor for uh, for Camp Leapfrog. And he works harder than anyone there because his, he doesn't only work in the days leading up to Leapfrog. He works Leapfrog and he works uh, with me in the weeks after it just um, finessing every single aspect of it. Like there's there this everything in Camp Leapfrog. There's nothing that accidentally makes the cut. Every single second of footage is scrutinized and there's no there's no dead time. Everything has a purpose in it. And it wouldn't be without, you know, the Sam Laternas, the Sam Fritz, our incredible locker room. Like, we just, uh, high-tension wrestling for making it possible. IWTV for having faith in us to let us do our thing. Like, we've got such an awesome cast and crew. I'm so thankful for all of it, really. That's awesome. I'm super excited for the Halloween. What a great name. Things that go bump in the that's ring. Great. That's great. That, love it, bro. <laughs> you'll, never, it's awesome. you'll never guess where that came from. Uh, so... Okay, so um, y'all know uh, Retro Anthony Green. He was just signed sure. NXT in the last month. He's he's my best friend, and he was running he was running a zero one USA Northeast uh, for the past year up in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, that area. And his Halloween show was going to be called Things That Go Bump in the Ring, and it unfortunately couldn't run because he got signed to WWE. Like, what a good reason not to run shows anymore, right? And um, when we uh, put together. Uh, Camp Leapfrog's uh, Halloween special, like we we were all talking about, like a spooky Halloween, a spooky Camp Leapfrog Halloween, all kinds of things, and there was a lot of ideas that we liked, but none that we loved. And then Anthony was like, "Hey, you know, I was going to do this, and I can't do it, so I'd rather you guys have it." And it was perfect. And and there's a lot of symmetry there because Anthony was the one who came up with Camp Leapfrog, like the name in itself, Camp Leapfrog. He invented that when we were looking for names the first time around. So yeah, uh, Anthony's just in charge of naming our shows. <laughs> I love it. No, but it's a great name. I'm super excited uh, for the episode. You know, obviously we mentioned Kaya, a uh, violence uh, friend of the show as well. We had a great interview with him not too long ago. Oh, yeah. and It was very intense. I will say that. It was very, <laughs> that's, very that's intense. That's him. Um, that's yeah, him. <laughs> you know the deal. 
But um, last question for me, and Chris, thank you again uh, for a few minutes of your time, man. Uh, obviously, the business, the you know, uh, name drop here, but you know, uh, Tom Dreamer was on recently. He basically had said, you know, the world came to a stop, but professionally, uh, professional wrestling didn't. You know, kept going, which I'm so thankful for. I'm so thankful to see opportunity for our friends. I'm so thankful to see things like Camp Leapfrog uh, come about. I've I've had a lot of opportunity talking to people on Skype or indie wrestlers uh, to tell their story, and getting to talk to you is an honor. Uh, I recently got to jump on commentary for the first time on Saturday. So for everyone um, that's trying to make moves in this business, that's trying to get over, as we say, um, that's trying to, you know, get their character over, connect with the fans, whatever it may or may not be, be crew, behind the scenes, behind the desk, whatever it may or may be, what advice would you have? Um, I think that's twofold. Uh, my first, and by the way, congratulations on uh, your recent commentary gig. How'd it go? Yeah. It was so fun, dude. A lot of puns, a lot, a lot of puns, but uh, I think uh, straight out of coffin during the cassette match was a good line right there, but I digress. Go ahead. Um, I would say my, my advice would be twofold. Um, the, actually, you know what? I'll say threefold. Um, first of all, uh, to borrow a line from JFK, don't ask what, uh, professional, what you can take professional wrestling. Ask what you can give to professional wrestling. Be of service. Um, anyone who just takes from the business and doesn't leave it better than they found it is doing a disservice to something that they supposedly love. Um, and I think you could have no better of an example of someone who gives back to professional wrestling than Kai McKenna, who we were talking about earlier. She put in all of the hard work, and now she's getting so many wonderful opportunities uh, ahead of time that you would not expect someone to get in their first year. And it's not because she's the second coming of Brian Danielson. It's not because... It's because of her, and I'm not saying she's a bad wrestler. She's, you know, she's a very fine, up-and-coming, emerging talent. But it's because of her hard work. She put in the effort, and people recognize it, and they appreciate that. And whether that's hard work helping out others, whether it's hard work training. You know, she trained at Seth Rollins School. Now she's training with Cheeseburger, two of the best wrestling schools you could find in the entire world. And traveling all around the country to do it. She, that, so figure out how you can be, how you can serve professional wrestling. If you're trying to better... The industry as a whole, people will take notice of that. Um, another thing, be a jack of all trades. That's what I have based my entire career about is if you want to hire a referee, are you going to hire the person who can ref or are you going to hire the person who can ref and can help things backstage and can help promote and all of this, that, and the other? And that's just an example for me, but that, that goes far and beyond. Um, you're more likely to hire the talent who's saying, yeah, let me help out with making some posters. Let me help out with putting things up. Let me help set up the ring. And it might seem like an exploitation of work or something like that, but that's just paying your dues. Like, you know, if I get to a show and the ring's not set up, I'll be the first one to go over there and help pick up uh, a board. And you know what? Eddie Grail, right up till the day he died, he would show up early and he would set up the ring at WWE. Like, there's no job that is, uh, there's no person that's too important for any job in pro wrestling. And that goes for anything. So be able to help anywhere you can. And the third thing is, it kind of goes hand in hand with what I was saying before with Kaya, and that's uh, networking and building relationships. Every positive thing that's ever come in my career has come because of the foundation that I laid through networking. And people, whenever I do a seminar, that's always the biggest question is, how do I network? And there's so many ways to do it, whether it's just being a memorable person, dressing memorably, being really nice, being very good at what you do, 
being social, just staying in touch with people, which is super easy now with social media, you know. Um, I, you know, years ago in 2012, uh, there was a couple group of guys I traveled with regularly. Uh, Shane Strickland was one of them. And Shane hit me up and was like, hey, um, we're going to a show in Virginia uh, this weekend. We got an extra spot in the car. Do you want to come? And I traveled with him just about every weekend. So I was like, yeah, sure. And there's no guarantee of pay. There was no guarantee of work even. I just went to hang out with my friends and just to, you know, go see some wrestling. I get there. There's only one referee booked. So I did half the show. On that show was Sanjay Dutt. Sanjay and I worked together and just got along great, worked well. And by coincidence, we worked together a few more times that year. So we became friends. And then a few years later, Global Force Wrestling is running and he's the booker and they need referees for their live events in the Northeast. So he called me. Then a few years after that, he's an impact and he's involved with booking and all of the referee team was let go. So he needed refs. So he called me. I literally, it was, I, I received a call. I was at, I was, I was taking martial arts classes at the times and I just got a text. Hey, can you be in Canada in two weeks? <laughs> and, and that's really all it is. And wow. as much as you can say there, there's luck in the sense that it was luck that I met Sanjay. It was luck that we got along. It was luck that we stayed in touch. Um, there was also that determination and drive to make all of those trips because for every trip that panned out and led to something good in my career, there was, you know, dozens more that were just trips that I took, just hoping that there would be an opportunity. And on all of those trips, I did everything I could to be the best performer that I could be so that when that opportunity was given to me, I could seize it. So it's it, like Bob Evans says, it's about doing the drives. And that's a little bit more difficult in uh, our current times, less shows running. But uh, once things get back and up, yeah, just it's it's just about going out there and doing it, really. Love, man. I'm 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 super inspired. Is that it for you? Got one more, man? You know what? I got the please got two more. Uh, Go for it. One's a camp themed two parter. Nice. Sure. Apples, apples to apples. Meatballs one. Ernest goes to camp. Wow. <laughs> you know, I've actually never seen meatballs, believe it or not. But um, when we were writing the script, every single camp uh, film or show came up. Because at least someone on the writing team, the first leapfrog, it was myself, it was Sam Laterna and um, Brad Rush and Ethan Wilde. Since they were so involved in the overarching story, they also were involved with the writing of that one. And I, I can't tell you how many times we were talking about it and we'd reference a scene from meatballs we'd reference a scene from ernest goes to camp we'd reference nice. something like there's so many to pull from uh that's why there there's so many like we have a scene where we have the camp leapfrog uh camp song and then all of the wrestlers corrupt it just like they did in uh, salute your shorts for the camp Anuana song you know yes. um, so all of those things uh you love are in that first leapfrog and that's what we hope to do with the second one which tomorrow it it's it has that same camp feel, but also um, tons to horror movies of the past. The tropes that you see, the good and the bad from both of them, just to combine it and make it something really fun. Well, that was the second part is, again, Halloween-themed and camp-themed. Now, Apples to Oranges, either of those two movies against the classic Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> it's funny um camp leapfrog was actually originally supposed to be called one of the titles was called camp wrestle away instead of camp sleep away nice. camp but um that yes. was one of the, that was the um that was the strongest candidate for its name until anthony came up with leapfrog but yeah um it, it's 
all all of those movies if you love them that's come for that because that's we even we even threw in a few clips from our movies i won't say what because they just come in as little cameos throughout the films just to add to it um that's really what it's all about that that excitement that happiness that we're feeling right now just talking about these things that's what i hope uh will be evoked from the whole hour 47 minute runtime uh tomorrow and one last thing, because we're all about the love and positivity here on Bob Culture Podcast. Uh, they always say, don't meet your heroes because they'll let you down. We're going to flip the script on that. Because you've been everywhere, uh, CZW, yeah. Game Changer, Impact, was there anybody you came across in your travels that maybe you had heard stuff about or that you just didn't think that it, you were going to get on with and they surprised you with uh, – just their their positivity or what kind of human being they are great question you know um there's been a lot um if we're talking so this person didn't have any uh negative connotations towards them but uh given that they just passed today i would be remiss if i didn't mention tracy smothers who um i only had the opportunity to be on a few shows with him i was able to ref uh for him once about a year ago uh, not this past january but the january before it i believe was something like that when i went into uh, tennessee for impact I, I picked up a local indie date and all the good things you hear about him are true <laughs> he was a wonderful influence to have in the locker room just having a good time telling good stories joking around anyone who asked for advice he would give it he would go out there and watch matches for you i was i count myself so lucky that i was able to referee for him uh and it's rare to be in there with a grandmaster um because but when you are it's such a monumentous occasion and you know i could count on it would probably take two hands how many i've been in the ring with hacksaw jim duggan was another one who i was in the mm. ring with him when i was 18 years old and he was my first big name and the whole time the dude was giving me um feedback on uh, why he was doing what he was doing. He was explaining psychology to me why, in, fr in the ring during the match. And that was, you know, eye-opening. Um, in terms of people that you might hear negative things about, um, so I don't want to get into their personal lives or any of that. I'll just say on a professional level, working alongside them, I always had a great uh, relationship with uh, Loki and Austin Aries. I felt that, again, professionally speaking, I'm not going to stand by anything they've done or anything they've said online because they've both, they've both said some things that I, I find very questionable. But uh, in the locker room, uh, I felt that both took their craft in, super seriously, which is something that I think could rub a lot of people the wrong way. And I think that both, on one hand, they deal with a lot of idiots just because there's a lot of, there's a lot of idiots in life. And let alone in pro wrestling when, you know, the majority of people in it are cosplayers, <laughs> just, you know, like just trying to live a dream, which is cool. But, you know, not everyone gets to grow up to be cowboys and astronauts and not everyone should be a pro wrestler. And they, they had to deal with a lot of people like that, whether it's refs or promoters or people they're booked against. And not only that, neither of them are giant people. They're both in better shape than I could ever hope to be. But like when you talk about their actual physical frame. They're not huge people. Neither of them is above 200 pounds. And coming up in the late 90s and early 2000s, the level of aggression and how seriously they had to take themselves to protect their characters and protect how they were treated, it must have been immense. And I'm sure some of that has carried over in a way that 
um, is less than endearing to the modern, uh, you know, the modern talent who that's not as much of an issue, you know, um, but they took it super seriously while a lot of people have difficulty calling matches with them. That's not something I dealt with. It was more of, this is what I was told to do. And if I had an idea or suggestion, I'd mention it. Otherwise they just do my thing. And I was competent. I asked questions and I found that if you were someone who genuinely wanted to know why they were doing what they did and you wanted to learn and understand, um, they were a fountain of information. Both of them, um, you know, I haven't worked with uh, Aries since Impact, but last yeah. six months or so that he was there, he was requesting that I uh, work all of his matches. And oh, wow. I, I found myself in that same position with Low Key, working with him at Jersey All Pro and MLW. Anytime I'm there, uh, I know Low Key has me ref his match. And not only is it professionally rewarding because it's so easy just to go out there and not give a shit and just collect a payday. But um, I appreciate the fact that they give enough of a shit to be a pain in the ass when you're calling a match with them. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they, they're, they're, it's not just, it's not just because they're difficult. It's because they want to, they creatively want to put on the best product possible. And I, I'm a fan of that. I, I love working with both of them. I've never had an issue. Wow, that's dude. Thank you for saying all that. Every everything you're saying, I'm like a sponge right now, just taking it in. Like the the indie scene has just been so good to us, and you know yeah. we're so appreciative for everything. Uh, you know we're happy we're still running, whether it's outdoor, socially distant, drive-in, whatever we have. Um, Chris, this was great, man. Thank you so much for a few minutes, dude. Um, before we get out of here, we're always about the shameless promo. Uh, tell everyone uh, how they can watch Camp Leapfrog, I believe, for free uh, with a code. Uh, tell us where they can follow you on socials, merch, all that good stuff. Absolutely. And I'll just say that I, I that same energy you're feeling right now, I feel too, because I grew up watching a lot of these guys. I grew up watching, you know, yeah. low keys and all scenarios at Jersey All Pro, at Ring of Honor. And being able to, like, look in your phone and see that, like, you have that contact number or, like, if you see them at a show, you know you're, you're getting a hug. That, uh, you know, in socially distanced, uh, in, in non-COVID yeah. times, you're getting a hug. Um, that's mind-blowing to me. That's something that I will never uh, lose fascination about. But, um, yeah, so tomorrow we're going to have Camp Leapfrog, things that go bump in the ring. That's going to be the world premiere. Uh, first, we're going to have the free our version of the free-for-all. That's going to be called Open Swim. That's at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. And that's uh, hosted by Sam Laterna. She's going to have behind-the-scenes footage, an exclusive interview with Cheeseburger, and a web-exclusive match that has Still Life with Apricots and Pears versus uh, former Ring of Honor star Ryan Nova versus Max Zero versus Big Game Leroy Green, which was a really fun match. Um, that's 7.30 to 8 on the Independent Wrestling Facebook page. If you just search Independent Wrestling on Facebook, it has over 117,000 followers. You'll find it. Um, and then immediately once that ends at 8 o'clock, we're going live with Camp Leapfrog, things that go bump in the ring. And that is going to be 8 p.m. Eastern Time, IWTV. And like you were saying before, anyone who wants to watch it can watch it. Because uh, with promo code LEAPFROG, you get five days free at IWTV. And I'll just say, I've never met someone who has used a promo code at IWTV and not kept the account. It's wonderful. It's, it's, uh, like, it's the WWE Network, but it's indie wrestling dating back from the 80s to the, to the present day. There's new footage constantly being uploaded, whether it's from the United States, Canada, Mexico, Japan. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. And uh, Leapfrog is some of the first content on there that's alternative wrestling. 
that's wrestling based, features wrestling, uh, cinematic elements, and it's just the beginning of that. Of you're going to see more wrestling, you're going to see more of the people that you love doing what they love. Not that some usually in a wrestling ring, but sometimes not. And I think that's cool to see that other side of the coin. And um, if I could just give one last plug, that would be to um, yeah the the uh, audio docudrama that I've been working on all uh, during the lockdown. It was just released a few weeks ago. Uh, Tales from the Mat. You can find that on Apple Podcasts by searching Tales from the Mat, or you can go to talesfromthemat.com. And if you click maimed right at the top, uh, you'll see there's plenty of ways to listen to it, whether it's a YouTube link, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, whatever the case may be. It's all there. Gerald Briscoe, uh, he's biased, but he said he loved it. And if that's good enough for Gerald, Gerald Briscoe, that's good enough for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very well said. Hey, Chris, thanks again for a few minutes, man. This was super inspiring just talking about the business. It was nice connecting with you, getting to media. Had a great chat, man. And just, you know, stay safe out there, man, and continued success moving forward. Thank you so much. And it was awesome being on here. I appreciate you guys having me on. I had a blast. And I'm telling you, whether you like it or not, I'm definitely coming back. Uh, oh, and if anyone wants to find me on social media, you can find me at Ref Chris Levin. And that's Chris with a K because my parents are difficult. I'll see you on Twitter. <laughs> Love it. Thanks, Chris. And like we always say here in 2020, people, everyone stay safe, stay positive, take care of each other. We're out. Peace. Bye.